welcome to a very special episode of Everything Under the Sun. Today is the 52nd episode of the podcast, which means this beloved podcast has taken a full trip around the sun. It's been such a lovely year making Everything Under the Sun because I've had so much fun creating it. I love waking up to find your questions waiting for me each morning in my inbox. I love pressing play on the audio recordings you send me and hearing your clever, curious voices. I like the letters and emails your parents and teachers send me and hearing about how happy you feel when you hear your questions answered on the show. I love discovering new things about the world when I hear your questions and set off to find answers for them. I really have enjoyed the generosity of all the experts who have given the time to answer your questions. We've had so many brilliant people taking part on Everything Under the Sun, including curators at museums, zookeepers, writers, people who care for our world at the National Trust and Greenpeace, chefs, scientists, physicists, biologists, art historians, and even a tornado chaser. There's also been a book created since the podcast began. I cannot wait to see it. It's filled with all of your questions, 366 of them, one for every day of the year, plus a bonus one for a leap year. The book is written and being illustrated by 12 different illustrators. They're filling the book with magic and colour, so it's going to look beautiful as well as be packed full of children's curiosity and questions. I can't wait for you all to see it. Thank you very much for listening and being such an important part of this first year around the sun. I'm excited for another trip around our nearest star, so do keep sending in your questions and I'll answer them for you on the podcast. Do tell your friends all about the show and help to spread the word so that no child's curiosity need go unanswered again. So let's begin the podcast. First of all, something I really love, trees. This question comes from Darcy. Over to Darcy. Hi, my name is Darcy and, I, and I'm five years old. I live in County Kerry and my favourite thing is unicorns. And my question is, what's inside of tree trunks? Bye, I love you so much. Hi Darcy, that's such a brilliant question. Well, tree trunks are pretty great, aren't they? Where we live, there is a huge, huge tree, which my son and I like to call the enormous tree. And we love to go and visit it and give it a big hug. It's really huge and its trunk is super soft. But what's inside of a tree trunk? That is such a good question. Tree trunks are made up of a few layers. The outside is called bark. You'll know what that is as it's the outside part of the trunk that you can see. In some trees, it's soft. Others hard, sometimes it's smooth, other times rough. All trees have different textures and colours of bark. It's there to protect the tree, like the way we have skin to protect our bodies. The bark can let in oxygen and let out carbon dioxide as the tree breathes. Just under the bark is another layer that carries food from the leaves to the rest of the tree. Underneath that layer is another thin layer called the cambium, full of cells that keep dividing or splitting into smaller cells and growing the tree trunk wider. You'll notice that as trees grow, their trunks get thicker to support the bigger size of the tree. It's this cambium layer that does all the growing. Underneath the cambium is the final part of the trunk, and that's called the sapwood. That sucks up water and minerals from the earth through the roots of the trees. So all the parts of the tree trunk help the tree to grow and flourish. If you cut through a tree trunk, you'll see rings inside it. The rings can tell you how old the tree is and what the weather was like in each year the tree has been alive. 
So take a long look at the tree outside your window or in the park. That tree will be able to tell you what the weather has been like for years and years. Sometimes there are black lines in tree trunks made by fungi. The lines are called zone lines and they show the battlefronts between different groups of fungi inside the tree trunk. Amazingly, fish have little bones in their ears called ear stones and these have growth rings on them like tree trunks do. So scientists studying fish can count the lines in the fish's ear stones to work out how old the fish is. Did you know that moose, the animals, not the chocolatey delicious stuff, they like to strip the skin layer of tree trunks off so they like to eat bark and they do it using their big upper lip. They're so well known for doing this that their name moose M-O-O-S-E, comes from a Native American Indian word, muswa, meaning the animal that strips bark off trees. I hope that answers your question, Darcy, and thanks so much for sending it in. And now for something else I love that grows and brightens up our world. Flowers. Our floral question comes from Sarah in Scotland. Hi, Sarah. I'm Sarah, I'm five years old, I'm from Scotland, I'm wondering why does flowers smell? Hi Sarah, what a brilliant question. Well to answer it for you, I have Sir Tim Schmidt, who founded the Eden Project in Cornwall, where you can see plants, trees and flowers from all over the world. You can go on England's longest zip line and even explore a rainforest. Over to Tim. Hello, Sarah from Scotland. You phoned in and you wondered why do flowers smell? Well, I'm Tim Smith here at the wonderful Eden Project in Cornwall and I am going to tell you. There she was, looking at me, The Nose, the highest paid team member of the largest fragrance company in the world. The most valuable nose in the world. Insured for £10 million. Fortunes rested on her ability to mix up a thousand chemicals captured from the natural world and most of them from flowers. She had with her what looked like a spaceman's helmet, which she would place over a flower of her choice and on a screen on the helmet, figures would spin round and round until all was silent and she would read the equation and she smiled. She had captured the chemistry of desire of her victim. Some flowers had a fragrance so complex she couldn't capture them such as honeysuckle or sweet pea, so perfect that they could not be faked. Her highest ambition? Well, it was to capture chocolate and roses. Her art was like music, blending the high notes of the citrus, the lemons, the limes and the orange blossom with yin yang, the special Chinese flower that made Chanel number five so famous, and the lower notes of sandalwood and cinnamon. In my head, the image I have is of a piano playing a sonata. Over millions of years, flowers have evolved to create ever more seductive fragrances to seduce their chosen targets, insects, birds, bats, and mammals, to tempt them with sipping the nectar. And as they enter the heart of the flower, they are coated with dusty pollen that sticks to them until they move onto the next and will hopefully fertilize them. And so, plant babies will be made. If you cannot move, you need to develop techniques to make others help you. And so, they have developed the dance of smell, fragrance, aroma, trace, waft, perfume, scent, bouquet, or sometimes a darker art of odor, stink, stench, whiff or fug. 
At Eden, we have a plant whose flowers smell like the worst dead thing you've ever smelt in your life. Oh no! Once you're close up, the whiff is so strong it makes your tummy turn and you feel like you're going to be sick. This flower, also known as the corpse flower, is irresistible to flesh-eating beetles and flesh flies. So, it takes all sorts to be able to attract your chosen pollinator. Millions of years of refinement have mastered the art of temptation because it is life or death to find the sweet smell of success. Speaking of which, I leave you with a thought. Do you think that if hundreds of people smelled one single flower, would we sniff all its fragrance away? Goodbye. Thanks so much, Tim, for your brilliant answer telling us all about why flowers smell so delicious or disgusting, depending on the flower and what creature they're trying to entice. I hope that answers your question, Sarah. This week, we have a very special competition on the podcast, thanks to The Eden Project in Cornwall and Sir Tim Schmidt. Sir Tim Schmidt created The Eden Project, which is a place in Cornwall where you can see all the most wonderful trees, flowers, plants, and go on the longest zip wire in the UK. If you'd like to go, all you have to do is tell me your name, your age, and then tell me what your favourite tree, plant or flower is. And ask an adult to record you telling me all of that information and send it in to me at molly at everythingunderthesun.co.uk. So get thinking, what's your favourite tree? Or what's your favourite flower? Or any kind of plant? And then make your recording, ask an adult to help you, and email it in to me, molly at everythingunderthesun.co.uk. And you and your family could be on your way to the Eden Project in Cornwall. Good luck, everyone. At the Eden Project, there is a giant muddled bee in the flower beds to remind everyone how important bees and other insects are to flowers and to humans. Over a third of our food needs bees and insects to help them grow and create more flowers, fruit and vegetables. So it's only right our third question is about bees. This one comes from Tara. Over to Tara. Hi Molly, my name is Tara and I'm six years old and I also lost six teeth. My question is, how high do bees fly? Hi Tara, what a brilliant question. Well, bees can fly very high, but they're not always very bothered about doing that. Bees spend a lot of their time out looking for food and there isn't much around up high, so they just buzz around near the ground where they live, visiting flowers. However, you will find them up in high places on Earth, like the Himalayas, and they're very happy living up there. Generally, bees will fly straight from their hive at high speed and go to flowers, so they don't need to go high. But they can fly up to 30 metres above the ground to find a queen to mate with, and they will go higher than that if the warm air lifts them up high into the air. Bumblebees have been flying at a height of over 9,000 metres, which is higher than Mount Everest, the tallest mountain in the world. Very often, insects can't fly very high, as the higher you go, the thinner the air is, so it gets hard for insects to fly high in the sky. But bumblebees manage to do it. We'll find out more about bumblebee flight and how they can fly so high in a few weeks' time on the podcast. For now, we're talking about honeybees. They fly at a speed of around 15 miles per hour and they move their wings 12,000 times a minute. That's what makes the buzzing sound of a bee. It's their wings flapping really, really quickly. When bees fly into flowers, they often follow special tracks called bee lines that only bees can see. They direct the bee into the flower to the place where the nectar and pollen is waiting. 
Bees visit up to 2,000 flowers a day. To make honey, they have to visit a lot, lot, lot of flowers. To make about a pound of honey, a bee would need to visit around 2 million flowers, and that's more than two trips around the world. I hope that answers your question, Tara. Right, that's it for this week. A huge thank you to our three question askers, Darcy, Sarah and Tara for this week's questions, and Sir Tim Schmidt from the wonderful Eden Project and the Lost Gardens of Heligan in Cornwall for telling us all about why flowers smell. A big thank you to Ash Gardner at House of Strange for the theme song and Audio Networks for all the lovely incidental music we use this week. Thanks to every one of you for listening and being such an important part of this first year around the sun. The next trip around our nearest star begins next week. So keep sending in your questions and tell lots and lots of people about the podcast. If you want to send in a question to the show, just record yourself on an adult's phone asking the question. Just open Voice Memos app if you've got an iPhone or similar on any smartphone and say your name, your age, a bit about yourself and then ask the question and ask an adult to send it in to me at molly at everythingunderthesun.co.uk. There's lots of other information about how to send in the question on the show's website, everythingunderthesun.co.uk. Wishing you all a lovely week full of flowers, trees, and perhaps you'll spot a bee or two. Thank you and goodbye. (laughs)